This is Ross Coulthard, and you are listening to That UFO Podcast. I'd like to thank Laird Superfood for sponsoring this episode. My nutrition has changed a lot over the last year since I decided to look after myself a little bit more, not just for me, but my family too. One constant though is my coffee, and you'll know I'm a big coffee lover. It's not just part of my morning, but my daily routine. Laird Superfood and their creamers have been a bit of a game changer for me and taking my coffee game to a whole new level. It's the perfect way to not only fuel your morning, but your whole day with organic, natural, plant-based ingredients. And for me, as a diabetic, there is no sugar from highly refined corn syrup. There's also a huge variety of snacks, baking mixes and protein options for you to try, all made with plant-based ingredients to keep you charged for whatever life takes you. Are you ready to feel more energised, focused and supported? Go to lairdsuperfood.com and add nourishing plant-based foods to fuel you from sunset to sunrise. Use promo code THATUFO at checkout to save 15% off your purchase today. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast, soon to be rebranded as That Balloon Podcast. My name is Andy and joining me for a breakdown with a couple of guests joining in later on too is Dan. Dan, welcome. Hello Andy, hello room, hello high altitude spy balloon. <laughs> yeah, hello to um, any of our foreign adversarial overlords listening in on this <laughs> podcast, hovering 60 to 80,000 feet above my home. Um, I mentioned there's going to be some guests on this one too. We won't be with you for too long. We're going to be joined by Tim McMillan, who is coming in. I spoke to him a few days ago on the whole situation, which we're largely looking at in terms of Chinese spy balloons, adversarial drones you will be well aware probably of everything that's gone on in the u.s in the last week in terms of was it drones was it ufos uap in the news all that good stuff Uh, tim mcmillan joined us to break that down and have a really interesting not discussion he was making all the good points though about you know what this could be why they are what they are Um, and then at the end there's a a 14 15 minute piece with chris rutkowski you may remember him as the canadian civilian ufo researcher who was on the podcast last year the canadian ufo report was just released for 2022 and he joined me just for a, a very short breakdown of that as well so stick around for that at the end folks but Dan and I will be talking about the the kind of last crazy week in in the news because it's been it's not been about UFOs but it has been about UFOs isn't it Dan and this all started with that Chinese spy balloon being shot down and let me start off asking you because I think most folks are going to know about this story because it's been worldwide news do you think all of this would have happened if that Chinese spy balloon hadn't been filmed by members of the public first would we know that, about all of this? That that is exactly what seems to have kicked this off, isn't it? That balloon may have gone over without anybody noticing and the news not picking it up, but the second it was filmed in, you know, good resolution and we had a good video of it, for some reason the media went crazy over it and the Department of Defense started addressing it to the point where now we've got calls for a full nation address from the president. Yeah. Um since then in the last kind of week and a bit, three more objects were spotted and I'm going to say shot down, but I don't even think we've got full confirmation yet that three other objects were definitely shot down. We know some of them were. We've heard that they were shot at, but disappeared, or, you know, the missiles missed. We've heard objects were destroyed. We've heard there is debris. We've heard there is debris, but it can't be recovered. We've heard there may be debris, but it won't be recovered. Is it, is it quantum debris? Is this? <laughs> it, it's getting a little bit ridiculous, isn't it? And I, I seen some of the um, 
Senator John Kennedy was on Twitter, and I saw him just swatting a fly, folks. Uh, if you're on YouTube, you get to see me swatting a fly. Um, you, Senator 3D. John, I'll put your 3D glasses yeah, on now. <laughs> comes out the screen. Um, yeah, so sorry, Senator John Kennedy had mentioned, I don't really know who he is other than I saw him on Twitter, that if you are confused with this situation, then you understand the situation completely. Getting at the fact that they're they're having these classified briefings, um, the the senators, congressmen, and women, and such, and there's a lot of mixed messages going about, and I think that seems to be the whole play of the day here, which is feeding into all kinds of conspiracy, but also I think points to what we've said many times, and many folks have said that it's not as well oiled a machine or well run a machine as people might think. You know, the government. And this is one of those situations that really shows the left hand doesn't even know what the right hand doesn't know. Yeah, absolutely. They, I, I've had so many different angles on this over the past week. You know, some people kind of saying that it's aliens straight up. Uh, other ones kind of saying, nope, definitely not. It's just very prosaic stuff. And then you get everything in between where uh, people are saying that this is being used in the news to distract from the Ohio train disaster and things like that. When really, you know, we just had the earthquake, the train disaster and this happen in a week. So you've got kind of competing stories. And, and I would say, you know, the fact we're talking about those things means that they weren't hidden very well if they were hidden, you know. So I don't tend to subscribe to that one. Um, but they, there are just a whole bunch of questions around this where the less information they give, the more speculation is going to fill this gap. So they could do with, um, with really just, just putting everything on the table. You know, if they have pictures of these objects that they've shot down, which they should, because they went in with sniper pods. We know that the, they've got infrared pods and they can film these things. That means they should be able to give us high definition imagery why? of these objects. How do you mean why? Why, why should they be able to? I suppose for a start, we're, and I'm going to be a bit devil's advocate here, but I also, this is oh, a conversation <laughs> we've had a few times and I've had with guests, and you'll, you'll remember this, Dan, that we're talking about the US here. So it's the US government. They don't owe us. They're talking, obviously, to their taxpayer, their citizens, right? Um, so I yeah. appreciate that, but that's more than half the audience listening. What, what do they owe people? You know, why should they give that? Because they're going to be looking at this being a military operation, um, national security so whenever we hear about that kind of stuff days gone by they don't come out with the pictures and videos afterwards of anything else so why why would we get it and i think it was ryan robbins last night you know um ufo jesus yeah, yeah. who had said the same thing and i just commented saying but we're not we're not going to get that they never do that and i think there's that entitled thing of and it's a bit of a ufo twitter thing but you know, we should get the pictures, we should get the videos, and I would like to see them. I'm not saying I wouldn't, but I'm realistic, I think, and logical in this approach that they're not going to because they never do. You know, where, where's where's Bin Laden's body, for example? Yeah, you know, you, you're not wrong at all on that. <clears throat> it's like the the point that I'm going for is more that they should as opposed to that they have to, you know? Um, oh, we, we've had extreme. so many kind of conflating statements from, from them and it's sucked all the air out of the room over the last week in the media that some tr transparency wouldn't go amiss here, you know? Yeah, uh, but again, flip side, we've had the same argument, no, that, and again, I would like to see the stuff, folks, that's point point A, but point B is we should be able to see the, the HD video of the Tic Tac beside oh, the, gosh, the yes. fighter pilot's <laughs> cockpit, and we should be able to see all these other videos they've got and pictures, and people say just remove this, the detail in the background, for the love of God, right? Say they had a full HD 
4K video of a Tic Tac sitting alongside uh, a Russian warship, and the US have filmed it with this incredible piece of kit, right? You could you could just literally Photoshop all the crap out the background and blur it out, so you didn't even know what was being looked at or where it was, and just show us that that Tic Tac. They could do that. They're not going to though. So I just I just don't see why with this they would do it. I think, uh, and it links in a little bit. Uh, you'd probably you were going to mention this probably anyway, Dan. The the classified UFO report, unclassified UFO report that came out, and it had the the heavily redacted page with the UFO shapes. This is the kind of stuff that. I'm sure on that page there were going to be some truly anomalous objects. I bet there was a lot of this stuff on there as well. Yeah. So we heard there would have been balloons, but it's not just the balloons. It's the payloads that are underneath the balloons as well and the equipment that the balloons are carrying. We've heard that one of the objects was um, octagon-shaped, octagonal. That doesn't mean that's a, a UAP or UFO. It's probably some kind of drone or object that's being held up there that might be lighter than air is being held up by a gas but has some kind of light payload in it with all these cool sensors, whatever it might be, and it's still capable of being shot down. Strange shape, but I, I think I said to you privately, Dan, a text message or whatever it was. No, it was a phone call the other night when I spoke to you. And oh, I said, sure, yeah. is, is there not a good chance that if China and the US, and let's just include Russia in this, as badly as they're doing right now in Ukraine, we should. These, these are nice, accessible platforms. So let's include like Uzbekistan and and places like that. You know, Scotland, yeah, the Scottish military, yeah. <laughs> um, so any 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 you know nation or superpower, whatever you want to call it, if they are aware that these other countries are having truly, you know, I'm just going to say UFO encounters, proper non-human alien UFO encounters. Why wouldn't you hide your own tech in a way that makes it look like something anomalous? just to confuse yeah. them. And Absolutely. that has meant that these things have probably, Jeremy Corbell said it on, on a news report he was on, these things have probably been up there for decades spying, whether that's balloons or drone-type objects. And pilots have been so scared to report on them because they're going, oh, crap, is that one of those UFOs? I can't talk about this. But actually, it's been some kind of Chinese drone. What we're not saying, and I'm not going to speak for you, Dan, but I'm 100% sure you'll say the same thing, that doesn't mean all these UFO reports were all balloons and drones and spy tech. But like we have said all along, and it's on various numerous episodes, a lot of these reports, including the 50-odd percent that are unexplained in the UFO report from the US, from Arrow, from the Canadian UFO report and such, a lot of these unexplained are still going to be those types of objects, foreign tech, really cool tech, really basic tech being unidentified, and everything in between there's still a small number that are really anomalous and unexplainable. And that's the the stuff that we're really interested in. But I think this has just highlighted it because now, and I'm, you're going to probably summarize this better than me, now that the, the reporting has changed and becoming more frequent, now the parameters of what they're looking for has increased. All of a sudden, they've opened their eyes a little bit more and went, ah, there's stuff in our skies we didn't know was there that we should have known was there. And what they're going to find is a whole load more of this kind of stuff. But hopefully, along with that, they're going to also, I think Tim McMillan in the interview with him speaks about, you know, fishing for tuna. If you cast a bigger net, you're going to get more tuna, but you're also going to get a whole lot more crap in along with it as well. And this is what you're going to kind of sift through. 
That's a good analogy, yeah. Um, because, yeah, we heard that the the whole reason that they're seeing these things is because they opened up the filters, which just means that basically everything that, that we know about has a fingerprint. So like an ICBM launch, you know, that, that flash of the initial launch of the missile, that will be a signature and as a satellite will see that and kind of go, hey, that's an ICBM. And in fact, that, that very signature has been to blame for a whole bunch of like false alerts and things like that over the decades. But unless that fingerprint is in the database, they won't be able to identify it with the various satellites and systems. And, and we've heard before people tell us that certain radars can pick up things the size of baseballs, you know, miles away. And I've got to say, I think, I think they toot their own horn a little bit too hard because these, these things are bigger than that. And they went, they, they went under the radar, like literally, you know, they were missed. Um, I, I think you're absolutely right. And, and, we we have discussed it before that the data that's outside of those signatures tends to get discarded because they'll kind of go, eh, it's a bird, eh, it's a child's birthday party balloon, and they'll ignore them. So if you know that filters exist, why wouldn't you lean into the outer edges of those filters if you're an adversary? And especially at this kind of cheap level as well. You know, you're, you're not going to compete with America on how much it spends on its defense budget with all of these really high tech gadgets. So mm. you go the other way and you play a little kind of money ball with it. Right. And you kind of go, OK, I can't do that. I don't have the, you know, Bay Ruth of baseball. So I'm going to get 10 guys who can kind of come near that track record um, and they won't even notice them. And the startling thing here is that. Yeah, they seem to be, you know, they, they could have been over America for decades and decades. This could be a worldwide spying campaign. And then that's been alluded to as well. Who these belong to, they haven't fessed up so far. You know, they'll probably be associated fines and things like that if they're civilians or, you know, private entities building these things. But thus far, they, there are just some, all, all of the confusion that's happened is a really effective DDoS attack against the American people and the American media. We've seen this eat all the air in the room. So it's an effective strategy. So someone in an adversary, adversarial country is getting a pat on the back and a medal and a promotion this week because they've caused America to just almost implode over a bunch of balloons, essentially, right? Or maybe balloons, I'll say, just to kind of play devil's advocate to the other side a little bit. Um, the, the missing missile, or should I say the, the missile, re- really put in miss in missile. Um, they, they shot two at the one over Lake Huron, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and one apparently missed. And I've seen some people kind of go, huh, did it, did it move? Or are we talking more that the radar wasn't able to pick it up, so it didn't really have a lock, so it kind of missed in that way? That's a really curious question. I, I think if they turn out to be completely mundane, and just civilian drones or something like that, I think we'll probably hear more about it. If it's more sensitive than that, you know, like you were saying about the the adversary platforms like drones and things like that, if it's something that they don't want the enemies to know that they know about, then they won't say anything more. So you can kind of see what it is by how they're acting. But again, they're playing into all of these conspiracy theories by just not talking to us about it. So yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of transparency they could do better with, but this is unprecedented, you know, 10 years ago, we'd never get this conversation or this level of conversation just goes to show how far we've come. Should have sent Tom Cruise up because uh, if you watch Top Gun Maverick, he was pretty, <laughs> pretty dead eye, wasn't he? With no it was pretty good. System, yeah. Um, so on that, 
we talk about these objects being shot down, whether they were balloons with a payload hanging off of them, and I'm guessing you wouldn't fire a missile at a balloon, but what's hanging off of the balloon or potentially inside the balloon, if that's how they were working, depending on what they were, then they, that's I, what I they're trying they to I think they fired them without kind of the warhead on, so there were no explosions. It was more about, you know, just making a hole in the thing and making it fall, kind of. Just like a big arrow. Um, but yeah. these things came down. I've heard from someone, one of them came down broken up and it was like glass like material um again that's at the moment hearsay though uh we've heard that they've been broken up we've heard that they have disappeared or lost the wreckage how much that's true we don't know and i would say it's just as likely that they've absolutely found the wreckage and say it's china's stuff they just don't want china knowing they've recovered it so that would that would make sense to me, but it's equally as likely they've went, we don't know where it came down, maybe it was too small to find, maybe it's gone into ice underwater, you know, and in that case, it's just really, really difficult to And, and just, to just on that front, I just wanted to touch on, because I've seen a lot of people kind of say, how, how can they be tracking it and then not know where it lands? And even when meteors are coming into the atmosphere, there's a, there's a debris field that's mm. kind of mapped out. And depending on a whole bunch of different factors, including whether it just hits a bird on the way down or something, it can go anywhere in that area. You know, there are still plane crashes that we haven't found. So yeah. it's hard to find things and it's hard to find small things. And And I have read that the one in Alaska, at the very least, landed on an ice sheet that's actually moving. So they're having to kind of model how the ice sheets move and break up to try and figure out where it landed and where it will be now. Uh, it, it's remote a really... control ice sheet heading back to China. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. I like it. Yeah. Um, I wrote a comic like that when I was a kid, you know. But yeah, anyway, that's that's by the by. So the media coverage on it has been really interesting. Like you say, the Pentagon and the White House are all coming out with different statements. Various generals, the White House press secretary yesterday commented on on Valentine's Day, I believe it was. Um, that I think her name's Karine Jean Pierre. Um, that it was better to ask the Pentagon, but as far as the White House understands it, there is debris, but they can't really comment any further on that. That's the Pentagon's job to do. We've heard that they may recover it. They might not be able to recover it. This has obviously been something that the the mainstream media has picked up on massively. We've seen the word UFO being thrown around. We have seen various statements from people mentioning that there are there is no confirmation or they've not ruled out that it's aliens or, you know, non-humans. We've seen the laughing in the background. We've heard that mentioned more seriously. I don't think, honestly, and, and bear in mind it's called That UFO Podcast and I started it to talk about UFOs and aliens. I'm not just poo-pooing it for the sake of it, but for me, this wasn't UFOs. This wasn't aliens. It wasn't non-human. This was some foreign tech that was picked up. I even saw at one point Tim McMillan mention he had heard one of the objects was potentially US tech, but it was monitoring weather situations, something like that, whatever it may have been. Um, and we don't know. So I don't think it's anything sinister in that sense. That that would be so DOD, wouldn't it? To be to like, blow up what are these stuff? objects? Oh, actually we blew up and because of the stove piping and not talking to each other, that they actually blew up something advanced that belonged to the US. <laughs> The, the weather office going, no, no, that was one of ours. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's been interesting. And I think what the positives are going to be, and I speak to Tim McMillan about this, is that it's made, one, more folks poke their head in the UFO door. So if you're just listening to this and just getting an interest in the UFO subject, hi, don't let it scare you off because there is a lot of really interesting data out there and, and more and more to come. But I think this is the beginning of what we've been talking about now for years. More pilots, more personnel, more 
not transparency necessarily, but more willing to talk, willingness to talk about and investigate the subject, which means more reports are going to come in, like we heard about on the U- US and the Canadian reports. And we're going to see more clutter, more debris, more misidentifications. That's something I spoke to Chris Leto about, which is out just now. Um, and he, and he's a pilot who himself, I asked him, you know, how, how often do pilots misidentify things? And he said the best pilots regularly misidentify things. And if they're honest, they will say that, um, which is which was really interesting to hear. He wasn't, you know, just being, you know, pig-headed and saying, no, the, the creme de la creme top guns don't. But I think this means that we're more likely to get proper UFOs as we know and love them being reported and potentially captured and discussed more openly. That's going to be the big positive for this for me. Not this, not on this occasion. It's not UFOs, but I don't know what are your thoughts on that, Dan. Yeah, I, I would agree. The, this whole thing is going to be really interesting because we're going to see the kind of the myth making that happens in, in this kind of subject. You know, in 10 years time, we're going to look back and a lot of the subtleties of this moment are going to be lost and people are just going to call them UFOs unless unless we kind of get more of them. But I think ultimately, you're right. Like these, these seem to be prosaic, but the conversation is now huge. You know, we're talking, we, we've had like 15 different definitions of UFO and UAP from different senators over the past few days. It's hard to keep up with them, but it's really exciting to hear them talking about them. And when I say exciting, that might not be exact. You, you know, in Independence Day, when the guy's like, it's been an exciting week. And they're like, really? Is exciting the word you would use? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, it's great that the attention is on this because we, we know there's something there. We know this has gone back to, you know, decades, centuries, but I'll say decades because that's what we have radar readings for. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had various generals throughout those decades kind of saying, this is a real phenomena. There's something there. You know, China weren't sending up balloons in the 40s, for example, or they might have been. You know, some, someone will probably write in and educate me a little. Um, but the point is, there's a lot of data here to discuss. It's not just, there's nothing else here. Like, there is something other that we're not sure what it is. You know, Obama has spoken about it with that great quote where he says, you know, there are objects that we don't know the the movements and the signatures. They kind of elude, they elude us. Um they're not these balloons. They're more what we see, think of when we look at the Tic Tac with the movement, the, the kind of the ping pong ball movement that Dave Fravis described. Yeah. So we've got a lot of these odd, odd objects that are about to get a lot more attention. So all conversation about this subject is good because it just brings more people into the ring. And this week, people have seen in a much more subtle real life way how these things can be present and how this might all play out if, in fact, you know, we discover something spectacular is here. Well, that'll take us nicely on to Tim McMillan. Tim McMillan, co-founder of thedebrief.org, along with Micah Hanks, MJ Benias, and uh, many others now involved over there too. Uh, Tim joined me a couple of days ago as we knew about the four objects to discuss what was going on, what was being said, more of the statements coming out from various aspects of the US government and military, and also his thoughts on what might be going on from a national security point of view, but also genuinely from an unknown anomaly point of view as well. Uh, Dan, you'll be back with me next week probably and we'll be looking at some of the news items, the follow-up and the fallout from this and some other bits and pieces that are coming out as well, yeah? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've we've got a couple of episodes of Merge to discuss, some some cool things from the Weaponized podcast as well. Um, and as well as that, Leslie Kane's new series, yes. UFOs, I Investigate in the Unknown, uh, that started yesterday. For people in America, that'll be on Hulu now. Um, that's a fun word to say, isn't it? But um, Hulu. we don't have access yet being UK dwellers, but uh, I'm sure we will soon. I, I've heard very good things about it, and it's perfectly timed with all this balloon stuff going on. Absolutely, yeah. And any other news that kind of drops in the meantime, once Tim McMillan's finished, we'll go straight into the kind of 14-minute piece with Chris Rutkowski. And Chris joined me, uh, civilian researcher from Canada, to talk about the recently released Canadian UFO report covering UFO reports in Canada, as it says on the tin, from the year 2022. So really interesting one there to finish off to. So Dan, thanks for joining me. Thank you. And uh, to anyone going to watch it, enjoy Quantum Mania this week. Uh, I'm very excited as a Marvel fan to watch this one. Yes, I've got my tickets for Saturday morning. So yeah, looking forward to seeing that Ant-Man on the big screen. Little man on the big screen. There was some <laughs> kind of joke there and I've messed it up. Leave it in though. Here's Tim McMillan. I'd like to thank Paperlike for sponsoring this episode. Something that's always held me back from making more use of my Apple Pencil for notes is the feeling across the screen still felt like I'm writing on glass, especially when scribbling notes for podcast episodes. Paperlike have very much changed how I use my existing iPad and it's giving it a new lease of life. Paperlike is perfect for anyone who draws and writes using an iPad and an Apple Pencil. The surface of the Paperlike is coated using nanodots, tiny microbeads that are designed to add superior stroke precision when you drag the Apple Pencil across the screen. Every Paperlike comes in a set of two, so you'll always have a spare in case you need. I'm no artist either, but my kids certainly approve of using it to draw and doodle, and I can have peace of mind the screen underneath is completely protected. To pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com forward slash that UFO, click buy Paperlike and select your iPad size. Plus, shipping is completely free. Ready to do more with your iPad? Then head over to paperlike.com forward slash that UFO to get started. Joining me to discuss the latest on the unidentified objects being shot down over various parts of the US and Canada, and potentially outside of which, I have co-founder of thedebrief.org and journalist Tim McMillan. Tim, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Andy. Always good to be here, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Weird very, times. Yeah, <laughs> very strange times. And I've just said to you, I'm glad you think so too. Now, we're discussing, and I've just been discussing with Dan, if I get this edited correctly, the reports of, well, it's not even reports. We've seen the video, haven't we? This all started a week ago or so with a, a balloon hovering over the United States. It was filmed by a few people. They saw the object sitting in the sky, good camera zoom. They managed to get a good picture of a quote-unquote UFO. Mm -hmm. And uh, we quickly found out it was a Chinese spy balloon and was floating up there, didn't we? Um, yes. What were your thoughts at the time when we first saw that story breaking? Yeah, it, it wasn't, that really wasn't surprising. So the first one is intriguing. I think the most intriguing thing is the fact that, uh, you know, this was a very substantial uh, spy balloon, very substantial, massive payload, very massive. And it was relatively low. I mean, it was about 60,000 feet. So it was above air traffic, civil air traffic. But in terms of for surveillance reconnaissance platforms, which is what we it is believed to be, that's pretty low because it was detectable from the ground, from the naked eye. People in good, clear visibility, you, people could see it. People were taking pictures of it. So that's a little surreal. Uh, and, and I'm inclined to believe that, that 
something got screwed up there. I mean, there's been a lot of speculation. I think some people have speculated it was an intentional provocation from China. Um, that would really cut against the Chinese doctrine and how they go about things. Typically, they really try to be a lot more subtle and, and they try to, to deal back a lot of the, the pressure. Uh, you know, they'd rather kind of, you know, you let them in the front door and they rob you than, than scare you into breaking the door down. And so that was odd. It was odd. Um, and then, you know, when they shot it down off the coast of Carolina, so, you know, they let this thing traverse the entire U.S. They gathered all this intel from it and shot it down. Uh, a pretty unique event. I think that was you know, kind of exciting event. I think the the shoot down was really probably uh, politically motivated because at that point it was it was getting ready to leave the U.S. territory. You know, there wasn't. What benefit did you get other than capturing the, the the platform itself and the payload and learning whatever you could from it? Um, and so it did, I, I think from that regard, it served its purpose as well, because I know, you know a lot of people in the States were, yeah, we shot it down. It was kind of moral victory, like you've done something. So that first incident um, was intriguing, it, it, but not on, you know, not totally out of the realm. It's not unprecedented. We know everybody spies on each other. And, and frankly, this idea of using high altitude spy balloons is uh, it's smart. There's very good reasons why uh, nations would do that and, and certainly do clearly do that to each other. So this first one is fun to watch. <laughs> it gave a little hoopla, a little excitement, not nearly as weird as what we're seeing now in recent days. Well, yeah, so consequently, and like you say, we, we saw that play out in the media, it was picked up, and I, I've had a few chats with various people, and I'm guessing this kind of stuff happens maybe not so publicly, but more more often than we think that some kind of spy technology is picked up by another country, and it's either ignored or it's dealt with, but it doesn't happen live on Fox, live on CNN you know, live around the world. Would that be correct? Or is it still unusual for that kind of thing to happen? No, it's still unusual. And I, I think the idea of, of countries spying on each other isn't. Okay, so we know we do that. And we know, you know, whether it's high flying man platforms or, or satellites, we know this goes on. Um, but the idea that it goes, I guess what is unusual is this idea that it goes on undetected, or excuse me, it goes on detected quite frequently, and we don't hear about it. When, you know, in reality, uh, it, it's extremely difficult uh, to detect balloons, especially these high altitude balloons, or even some of the ones I'm sure we'll get into more recently that, that have been down. It is not easy to detect these systems, even from your ground-based radar systems, even from your airborne, even from your fancy military uh, Doppler radar systems. I think people, uh, to a certain extent, have a, a an idea of any radar capability. So it doesn't even matter the United States, but anybody's nation disbelieves that they have this omnipotent view of their sky. And they're like, oh yeah, of course, this stuff probably floats in all the time. They just ignore it. They don't shoot it down. It doesn't make news. When in reality, in particular, uh, in these instances we're talking about now, where we're talking about something that is extremely slow moving. So balloon-like in movement, uh, you know, in, in the case of the, the first instance, definitely a, a balloon, these are very slow moving objects. Uh, and so these are objects that, that your Doppler radar systems, you know, which Doppler radar accounts for 99.9% of all the radar systems, whether it's civil or military. So even you, you look at your phased array, like the fancy radars and the F-18s you hear about all this time. Oh, they had the phased array. Um, those are still Doppler radar systems. And, and one of the 
principal components that you need for it to pick up anything is movement. So it needs that movement to relay back velocity, direction, and travel, that kind of stuff. So balloons and these types of things that are moving exceptionally slow are uh, ignored. They're you know, discriminated against. It comes out in the chatter, and they're just ignored by those systems. So uh, you know, this idea that we regularly encounter balloons and just don't make it public is not necessarily true. You know, I, I don't know that that's, that's the case. We probably do but it's not nearly as frequently as people assume. Okay, now that makes me think straight away, and before we get to those other three uh, cases that have kind of happened recently, is there a a good chance then that pilots flying at speed and altitude, not seeing these things on their equipment from a cockpit, could whiz past one of these and it gets snapped on a cell phone, like we saw pictures last year or so, or we hear reports of and they come back as UAP or UFOs. Is that then likely to account for at least some of these other reports that are getting filtered into UAP reports? Sure. No, I, I think that's, I think, I think that has always been, uh, you know, a leading hypothesis for a lot of the, the, that's a lot. Let me walk that back for at least some of these UAP reports yeah. that, that you've heard about, particularly kind of the scenario you, you just, um, uh, you just mentioned where a pilot, <clears throat> excuse me, is flying along and suddenly there's an object. <laughs> Whoa, where did that come from? I never saw it on the radar, that type of thing. Absolutely. I think that those are scenarios that, that fit uh, that balloon, all the characteristics of a balloon object. So slow moving, not being picked up even by the phased array. And it doesn't matter then. It's important. It doesn't matter if you've got the whole carrier group around you. Uh, there's just certain characteristics of Doppler radar that are meant to ignore uh, slow moving balloons. And so nobody's picking it up. And so that you could just pop in and pass it. Absolutely. I think that, that uh, certainly could account for it. I think that the uh, photo of the, the silver object that, that made it into the UAP task force report, you know, we released on a debrief. And then later, uh, George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell released uh, more photographs of that same series. I think even when we first reported that, we said, it looks like a balloon, everybody. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know what was weird about it, that kind of thing. And um, I think it, it, it certainly was included in the reports as, as objects that are in restricted airspace that are indeed unidentified. And in that, that particular series with those photographs, I think there may have been some, some other characteristics with it that have made it odd as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be consistent with some type of surveillance or spy balloon. So that odd characteristics could be, uh, you know, that it was putting off some emissions. I don't know. But but uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that there's anything beyond that per se. So I think that that definitely could account for that. Uh, on the flip side of that, the 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 odder thing is where you you exactly flip that scenario. And we heard that same thing with uh, a lot of the pilots, the, the 2014, 2015 East Coast, where you had, um, you know, Ryan Graves has spoken to this, where you're, they were getting radar returns, but not seeing them visually. <laughs> so that's the opposite. You know, balloons, very slow moving objects, you wouldn't pick up on radar, but you would see visually. So that's a little bit interesting. And, and I think in those cases, that's that's much more difficult to just automatically say, oh, put in that balloon category. And so, but yeah, I, I think, I think certainly there, there's plenty of instances where that certainly could have happened. I think there's been a, if anyone's on the social media chat the last week or so, there's a lot of people on both extremes of the camp of 
look, this explains that all UFO sightings are balloons. And there's also the folks who are very set in their ways that know these are definitely alien spacecraft of some type. And the governments are keeping this all secret and using balloons. And it's been difficult to wade through that and find that logical discussion in the middle at times where to say, look, you can't account for either or for these all being one thing. So that first one we definitely know was a Chinese spy balloon. It moved on, though, didn't it, that all of a sudden another object was picked up and then another and then another. So we're at the point now, as we record this, it's the 13th of February. And in the last, what, 12 hours or so, a fourth object has been tracked, confirmed. What is going on, Tim, that we've now got three? And if you want to just share your thoughts with with these. Now it is getting weird. (laughs) You know, it really is. This is strange. And, And I will say at this point, what we know right now, um, you know, and I've seen those same extremes that you mentioned on, on social media and Twitter, like, aha, this all proves they're balloons. I think that it's uh, extremely early and, and presumptuous to to say that even the three and four objects, uh, you know, in recent days, so past the Chinese balloon to, to conclude that those are balloons. I think that that's too early to conclude. In fact, uh, the Pentagon has uh, has been very strangely and forcefully uh, refuse to describe these as balloons and continues to call them objects. And, and you know, we, we had NORAD's commander do a press conference last night uh, during the middle of the Super Bowl, of all things, you know, saying that he would not categorize these as balloons. So I think it's early there. You know, these are these are objects. And so a couple of things that are strange here. Um, first, that we're, we're picking them up. So everything I just described before about how difficult it is to pick up slow moving objects or balloons. So the fact that we're picking them up is intriguing. Uh, the fact that we're picking, picking them up with a frequency we have seen in the last couple of days suggests to me that that perhaps after the first spy balloon case, um, NORAD has at least put some of their radar systems, some of their air defense systems, they've, they've dialed up the frequency. And, and the best way to explain it is they discern it. So you're spinning out these Doppler radio, radio frequency waves. If you spin out too many of them, you're going to get, they're going to be absorbed and returned to you from every object you can encounter. So mountains, so you're talking about Canada and everything. It's bringing back the mountains. You're going to get clutter. You hear that term. And so really you, you fine tune these systems to look for objects that move consistent with aircraft, objects that move consistent with planes, that type of stuff. It would appear the fact that we're, we're, we've had three or four of these instances come up in the last couple of days that at least some of these systems have now been kind of opened up the filters. And so they're able to pick up these slower move, moving objects. And then, you know, in these instances, so we have the, the first one coming uh, Friday uh, afternoon uh, off the coast of Alaska, where and I think they actually picked it up Thursday evening where pilots are being sent up to interrogate it, you know, investigate what it is, determine what it is. And then uh, they're, they're working together a mission package where they're actually taking these objects down. They're shooting them down. <laughs> it's weird, okay? I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin on the kind of weirdness scale of, of what we're seeing right now, down to the fact that um, the Pentagon is being really open about you know, they're giving a lot of information about nothing. Uh, you know, it, it's very odd for me to see the Pentagon and the White House, um, you know, with the Friday's Alaskan balloon shoot down. Um, I think I pointed this out on social media because I got the press advisory. The, the Department of Defense sent me a press advisory 
uh, at about 10.30 in the morning, Washington time, saying, hey, we're having a live press conference today. I thought, this is weird. You know, they usually don't schedule out. You know, it was unexpected. So I'm like, this is interesting. Something's going on. You always know then. Usually it's we've done a, some kind of terrorist mission. There's something. We've killed a, a, an ISIS leader. So I was like, all right, so I better stick up, you know, stick around to watch this. And uh, it was supposed to happen at 2 p.m. And by 2 p.m., it didn't come on. I'm like, what is going on? So I text some people I knew uh, at the Pentagon. And that's when they text me back and say, we shot a down another object over Alaska. And then simultaneously, uh, it turned out the White House was doing a press conference for it. But they had shot this object down at 1 p.m. And so it's this weird, they announced the press conference that they were going before they shot it down. So it's like, what? It was odd to see that level of transparency, you know, putting that perspective that it's like announcing the press conference for the bin Laden raid before you've ever even landed and taken bin Laden out. You know, what if something goes wrong? Why? And so it's interesting to see that level of transparency. And then the fact that it's that they're um, they're shooting these objects down is really strange. I mean, this is. I can't stress enough that that's something that is certainly not normal. You know, this idea, oh, this happens all the time. We just don't hear about it. We're hearing about it now. Um, I can't think, and I've spoken to, to numerous other people in the military, outside the military defense, and nobody can think of a, a similar uh, set of circumstances where we started shooting down objects, uh, even over the continental United States, which... Um, Apparently, by by, the, by NORAD's own, you know, NORAD's commander, at least as recently as last night, his press conference, that apparently posed no threat, physical safety, military safety. And I saw that quote, yeah. They don't seem to know what they are. That is super strange. So it's, it's, it's really strange. I mean, it, it's the equivalent of, of you seeing someone walking through your neighborhood doing nothing but walking down the road whistling, but you're like, I don't recognize them. I'm going to shoot them, <laughs> you know, and I'm going to kill them. And then I'm never going to find out who they are. Like, it's just weird to see that kind of level of force, you know, even, uh, even if these were, were known spy balloons, um, to shoot them down is kind of pr- provocative anyway. That's, that's a pretty, you know, usually when you escalate to lethal force like that, it, it leads to more escalation in one way or another. And so the decision to be made to, shoot them down and continue to shoot them down. And they may shoot some more down today. You know, after we record this, it's really strange, Andy. Like, it's weird to see what's going on here. So do you think there's a, a sense of confusion from coming with from within the military? Or is this something that is playing out publicly one way, but maybe they do know what's going on and this is a bit of a distraction tactic on both sides? What, what's your gut telling you? I, that is, you know, there's so many levels of weirdness to this, but but that another level of that weirdness is that I legitimately everyone that I've spoken to, um, you know, down from 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 people who are inside the Pentagon, who are inside the intelligence community, to even people who who, who work in and around the White House, and everybody's like, we don't know what's going on, and so it's this really strange thing that so now we're. You know, almost three days past uh, the the shoot down of the object in Alaska, and I I do not believe you know based on everything that I've heard at this point I do not believe that they still that are they still do not know what they shot down they have not recovered that object they don't know what it is and I, I think it's even more intriguing 
that you're seeing that you're seeing these shoot downs and you and and they don't seem to know what they are and there's obviously some characteristics about them uh, that are causing them not to label them any one specific thing because they've been very cautious. I know we we did see some reports uh, out from uh, U.S. Senator Chuck Schumer, and then you know somebody else uh, you know said attributed it that Biden had said these three objects were balloons, but the you know the Pentagon rather forcefully pushed back on that with their most recent press conference, uh, you know, explicitly saying, I would not categorize these as balloons right now. And so that's, that to me suggests there were definitely characteristics or aspects about them. Whenever these objects were interrogated by the pilots, which, which what I mean by that is you sent other fighter aircraft up there to get close, look at it, see what it is. Uh, there were aspects about them that um, went against what you would expect to see with a balloon. I, I thought another really intriguing comment from uh, NORAD's commander was when he he did push back on that and say, you know, I'm calling the these things objects for a reason. Uh, I would not categorize them as balloons. They may be uh, they may be some type of objects that uh, you know have some gaseous substance, so helium something, you know, lighter than air that lifts them like a balloon, uh, inside a structure. And so when he, you know, that comment alone suggests that there's something on the exterior of these that uh, is acting unlike what you would see with just a normal balloon. And so when you start considering, well, what does that mean? Um, you know, there's a couple of things. You know, for, for example, your, your normal balloon is not going to show up on infrared sensors. So IR sensors, that type of stuff is not going to produce uh, a return. Uh, normal balloons are not going to be very radio or excuse me, radar reflected. So you're not going to get good radar returns on them, that type of thing. So when they've gone to interrogate these objects, potentially uh, they have displayed IR characteristics or radar characteristics that are more consistent with a solid craft rather than some type of lighter than air helium balloon propelled. Uh, I don't know, you know, but that's we're, we're having to kind of interpret through uh, what, what we're hearing here. And the fact that um, I genuinely <laughs> at this point think that there is some mystery surrounding all of it, even for the Pentagon and everybody involved. I, I don't really think that anybody conclusively knows what it is. And I think if it was a, you know, if it was a rogue car lot balloon so some you know some giant car lot balloon that somebody let go and went in the air these that would it would possess characteristics that when they went to interrogate it would, would be pretty obvious that it's a balloon and so for some reason there's aspects about uh, you know the objects that we have heard about in recent days that don't seem to fit that you know i i even it was reported in the new york times and then another person uh out of the pentagon told me confirmed what had the New York Times was told that at least with the Alaskan object, it, it broke apart. Mm -hmm. uh, so when it landed, it broke apart like you would expect. You know, the example I got, uh, I think the New York Times said broke into pieces. I was told it broke like glass. So like if you dropped a glass cup, and that's obviously not something you would expect with a rubberized balloon or balloon materials. So I don't know what we're looking at here. Yeah, I was uh, a few people mentioned online, maybe some of the more sceptical folks, let's just say that this kind of shatters the illusion for many of us with an interest in the UFO subject. And we're going to talk about the more kind of ET side of things in just a second. Um, but 
many of us, including myself, so if folks want to go back, and I don't know why they would care to, but you know, 2023 and all that, uh, listen to some of those reports recently when the task force report came out. Um, I said myself that I'm sure a lot of this stuff that's still unexplained isn't ET craft, but is still going to be top secret tech, US tech, Russian tech, Chinese tech, that they just don't know and will be pretty cool stuff that's 20, 30, 40, 50 years ahead. And maybe some of that is kind of what we're seeing now. Um, so unfortunately, yeah, I have kind of covered my own backside with that in the past because it just makes sense, doesn't it, that there's going to be some tech up there that we don't know. And this stuff does certainly have those kind of strange characteristics that doesn't mean it's ET or non-human, but it means it's some pretty advanced or strange stuff to evade the more conventional tracking of sensors. Yeah, it, it could be very mundane, conventional things that are just cleverly employed. We just don't know. You know, that's the thing is you just don't know. And we're acting on low information. And I think that it would be it's just a it's wrong to make any snap assumptions that, uh, you know, any that these are any one thing yet based on what we have here. And in fact, at least in the description of the last three objects that were shot down appear to be relatively different. So, we, you know, it's, I, I have, uh, you know, privately in chats with friends, I've often said that, you know, that's a, a detriment in examining the UAP or UFO phenomena is the idea that it's all or nothing. We see that quite frequently. So it's like, uh, you know, if somebody brings up any criticisms for the, the 2019, let's say, West Coast events or, or, you know, the 2016 events and you go, well, there's a lot of evidence that suggests, uh, you know, that was foreign spy drones or foreign balloons spying. Uh, okay, you know that's okay. Even if that reality is true, that doesn't like wipe out all the other cases. And so the exact yeah. same thing when you're looking at the uh, the task force report, I think it would be at best wishful think- thinking, uh, perhaps uh, foolhardy to to assume that when you see oh they've got 1,200 unknowns, whatever that number is, and to go all 1,200 of those have to be something truly spectacular or exotic. I think that that's, that's not going to be the case. And, and I think if there is anything in that those data sets that is truly, really anomalous, exotic, can't be explained, I think we're talking about a very minute margin in there. But I think that's where you kind of want to focus. So that's the good side of what we're seeing here. Even if they recover these and they do discover... Uh, you know, these are just cleverly designed spy balloons that, that added some components to confuse sensors or whatever. OK, good. We're, we're clearing out that data set. And so, uh, you know, you want to focus on the really weird stuff, the really anomalous stuff. I know you tweet out this uh, comment that I saw as well, and you used my favorite meme of the boomer, Tom DeLong. What the fuck? You know, <laughs> yes. and I, I didn't say the word there, so yeah, I won't bleep that right. out. But yeah, um, reporter asks uh, NORAD Commander General Glenn Van Herk, uh, have you ruled out aliens or extraterrestrials? <laughs> and his reply was, I'll let the intel, intel community and counterintelligence community figure that out. I haven't ruled out anything at this point. Is that just an off-the-cuff remark, or do you think there's anything to that in the sense, and I'm maybe going to try and twist this a little bit, that the work that Chris Mellon, Lou Elizondo, and others have done that have gotten us to a level where reporting stigma is reduced, so pilots are happier, are more comfortable reporting, means we're seeing things like this, and this may become a little bit more the norm. But also, it gives us a greater chance of getting better data on truly anomalous objects. 
Sure. I mean, this this is what you're if nothing else, what you're seeing as odd as it seems in the past couple of days. I mean, this is what you want to see in the fruits of that labor of, of whether the, the now the arrow or the UAP task force, whatever you want to call it. But the idea of taking uh, incidences where, where you're seeing unknown, unidentified and, and potentially anomalous objects in the sky, you're taking those seriously. You're encouraging that reporting and you're encouraging follow up investigation, and interrogation of those things. This is what you want to see. And so, yes, I, I think that that's a, overwhelmingly a good thing, because just like I said, if we're if we're opening up that those Doppler filters right now, we're bringing in stuff we normally wouldn't. So slow, especially slow moving objects. You know, those are the kind of those extreme mediums where, where oftentimes when it comes to UAP, people describe they're hovering for extended periods of time and they're not moving. Well, that's invisible to Doppler now. But now if we're getting those reports, we're, we're or if we're opening up those Doppler shifts, now we're picking up that or extremely fast moving can equally be discounted. You know, the Doppler radar is not going to pick up a, a, um, a meteor coming in. You know, it's moving too fast. That's a guy. That's a meteor. But now if you're opening up those filters and, and you're looking for things that are moving faster than than craft should or, or they're stationary or moving slower than craft should, now you have the potential to pick up some of those really unusual things. And so I think that that's, it's, it's all a good thing. And I think that uh, you're definitely going to, as you go through that process, you're going to get a lot more uh, mundane things that, that aren't weird now that you're looking into it. But the only way that you're going to get the weird is you've got to open it. You got to open up that net and see what you catch. You're not all going to catch tuna, but, but uh, you know, what you don't throw back, you may very well catch some big, trophy fish here. And I think that's what people are looking for. It, it's a really interesting, um, it's interesting. It's been an interesting watching it. You talking about it from the UFO perspective, because I, I, uh, you know, I, I mentioned this to friends yesterday. I said, it's so weird it's because I've heard for like five years, people saying, you know, some of these objects are non-human uh, crafts. These are extraterrestrials. These are something, there's something going on, even down to the fact that, uh, the belief that the government is is preparing to disclose that they've recovered wreckage of, of crashed uh, extraterrestrial materials. I was like, I've heard this for years. Like now the government's shooting down stuff going, I don't know what it is. We don't know what it is. Norad commander's like, I don't know. Maybe it's aliens. I don't know. And I was like, but the same people who were telling me it was aliens and there, we have crashed materials are like, no, nah, it's nothing weird. You know, this is going to be normal. This, they're, they're screwing us over. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Was that the same government that was supposed to disclose it to you? So, you know, I don't know. It's uh, it's an interesting scenario uh, all the way across the board down to this. We have this we have this bizarre reverse Roswell going on now where instead of the government coming out saying, hey, we we've we've recovered, crashed something. And, you know, here's what it is. Oh, never mind. It's just a balloon. Now they're they're coming out going, hey, man, we're shooting stuff down and we don't know what it is. <laughs> So you know, I want to wrap up, Tim, it's been really good to be your mm -hmm. time. Uh, and just my own thought being that if this technology is, say, China spying on the United States, and they know for a fact the United States tends to ignore or avoid objects that may be truly anomalous in terms of reporting or tracking um, and be a bit more evasive with it, then you might as well hide your own spy equipment in some kind of form, like Micah Hanks reported just 16 hours ago, according to his tweet, uh, octagon-shaped 
you know, spybling mm-hmm. because they're just going to ignore that or it'll be laughed off or, you know, it won't be picked up on radar. So it would make sense to me use use that kind of against them a little bit. I just want to ask you one last thing. Um, how do you see this playing out over the next few days and weeks? Is this going to fizzle out or go out with a bang? I, I You know, that one's hard to predict because it's one of those things where you know, when they shot the object down over Alaska, I thought, man, this is really strange you know what are we going on here and then it wasn't you know 12 hours later they're like hey we shot another one down in canada i'm going uh, what in fact i i originally when i heard that they were tracking a a object an unknown object over canada i made the joke that uh you know the u.s was over there saying you you want us to kill them you know we'll come shoot them and then it wasn't 10 minutes later that they announced, yeah, yeah, you know, F-20, US F-22 shot it down. I'm going, oh, my God, they did that. <laughs> they did it. And, and then, uh, you know, watching it kind of live play down last night, I was in a good position uh, yesterday where I was able to, to watch the no-tams and kind of watch the flights as they took down the object um, yesterday. It's surreal. So I wouldn't have thought any one of those would have continued to play out. So it's hard to say when it's going to stop. I'm extremely intrigued because to my knowledge, uh, they have not announced and and nobody's acted like they have recovered the wreckage from any of the last three shootdowns. And so that's going to be a really interesting thing to kind of look out for and watch. And I I think that's, um, you know, that's where the odd immediate transparency of saying we did this, we shot these things down, we don't know what it is. uh, That comes back to haunt you if they don't recover them. You know, let's say, you know, the one in Alaska supposedly went down in really icy, frozen water. You know, what do you do <laughs> if you don't yeah. recover these? You know, what is that? Same with Lake Michigan. So it's this weird, I'm, I'm, it's a great time to be alive, Andy. I'm, I'm sitting here wondering what, what's going on, you know, whether we're, we're looking at the birth of new Roswell myths, if they don't recover these, or are we looking at legitimate <laughs> Roswell realities type thing? Or are we just talking about uh, we live in an age of, of unprecedented surveillance and uh, you know, an age when countries are now being more aggressive and provocative for each other? And so we know that the latter there is true. Um, it's just interesting. A very, very interesting time. Well, I hope Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick has a little bit more funding to employ some more staff for Arrow because I imagine their emails and fax machines, if they still use those, are going to be busy. I think, you know, that you could definitely see, you know, I think if anything else, I think that the this arrow, the you know, the UAP task force, everything that Chris Mellon and, and Lou Elizondo and these other people have been pushing for and saying needed, I think it's definitely justified itself in the past two weeks because, you know, you know with the Chinese balloon, just the the observation of it, we, we later found out that they were able to take some of the data that was, so the emissions data, some of the signals data, they were able to take what they collected from that Chinese balloon, put it back to stuff that they had collected for the UAP task force and realize, oh wait, those were Chinese balloons too. So we're already yeah. seeing we're, the rewards from that. And I think hopefully we'll see that, that uh, you're right. You're absolutely right. They'll, they will increase funding and, and realize that the, the stigma of looking at something because it's an unknown or unidentified, um, there, there's significant benefits to that. Absolutely. Tim, thank you very mm-hmm. much for your time. And I encourage everyone, as always, check out the debrief.org and the debrief across your social media systems and platforms uh, to keep up to date with this story and more. Again, speak to you soon, Tim. All right. Sounds good, Andy. Always a pleasure. 
Hi everyone, if you listen to the podcast on an Apple device, you can support directly by going on to Apple Podcasts and clicking the subscribe button. And for less than the price of a coffee per month, you can get early access to episodes, episodes in full, and no adverts or sponsorships like this one you're hearing now. It also supports directly to me at the podcast, so thank you very much. Also, don't forget to go and leave the podcast on Apple a five-star review and make sure you click the follow button too. Thanks. And I am joined at this time by former guest. He is a researcher and author, Chris Rutkowski. Chris, welcome back to the podcast. Glad to be here. Thanks. It's very good to have you. And you've joined me very last minute for this show. Now, the Canadian UFO report for 2022 has dropped. And I thought it'd be a good time to get you on. You've been a very busy man today doing all kinds of media. So I thought, let's get this out fresh while it's relevant. And uh, it's a good thing to chat about, I think, as we kind of head into the weekend. Very quickly, Chris, in case people haven't heard of you or our previous interview that goes into a lot more detail, can you give us a quick bit of your own background, please? Sure. I have been studying uh, the UFO phenomenon and investigating and researching and writing about it since the 1970s. Uh, and uh, I have 10 books out. The most recent is Canadian, sorry, Canada's UFOs Declassified, which details uh, reports in uh, government files uh, by RCMP, Royal Canadian Mounted Police Officers, uh, pilots, military personnel, uh, and shows that there's been a significant interest in Canada at the official level for many, many years. Well, if people haven't heard that, I suggest to do go back and have a listen to our first interview. We go into that in a lot of detail and cover the book too. Um, but Chris, we're here to talk about the, the breaking report. I believe this was published on Monday, just gone, which would have been the 5th of February, 5th or 6th of February. Right, yeah. And the other thing that I do is that I... Uh, I analyze all the uh, UFO sightings that have been reported in Canada every year. I've been doing this now for 34 years. <laughs> um, and wow. we have something like 24,000, more than 24,000 uh, separate sightings have been reported uh, since 1989. I started it uh, to get a better idea what was being reported. So not just what was being reported in the media, on uh, on TV or on radio and, and the tabloids, but what were people actually seeing. So these are cases that have been reported to uh, UFO organizations, directly to astronomers, to me, to the Canadian government. And I call, uh, bring them all together and do some number crunching on them and publish the results. And the 2022 version was just published this week. Now, just to get folks on the right path, this isn't like the US Congress's mandated UAP report. This isn't something that's come down from senators and congressmen and women who have demanded reforms and looking into the topic, is it? It's much more much more personal and it's much smaller scale, is that fair to say? Well, it's smaller scale in the sense that, uh, you know, Canada has a smaller population. We get uh, smaller numbers of UFOs than the United States. But at the same time, there were 768 reports that were filed in Canada last year, which is nothing to sneeze at. Um, and these reports do come from a variety of uh, people, from uh, lay citizens to pilots to really good observers. Um, and it gives us a good snapshot of what people are seeing. Now, this doesn't come down from a mandate. This is something that uh, I began doing to, as I say, to get a better idea of what was being reported as opposed to general impressions. I mean, you, we've heard these stories about how UFO report numbers are way up this year. And, and you know, it's, it's you know, tremendous. If you actually look at the data, 
they're not up as much this year. There may be a slight amount, but we're fairly flat. In fact, the numbers have been going down in Canada uh, for the past little while. And, you know, Canada is, I suppose, a bellwether for what's going on elsewhere in the world because we do uh, have a very good cross-section of uh, cases, not only from uh, citizens, but from uh, government sources, military sources, and pilots. So we do have a fairly good idea of what's been going on. And the fact that we've been monitoring this for many years shows that, you know, we can see some trends, we can see some some specific uh, types of information that can be teased out. Why do you think those report numbers have have trended downwards rather than with the kind of global focus on the UFO issue at maybe an all-time high or at least a modern-day high that we've found Canada has gone down the way? Well, I, and I think uh, it's not just Canada. I think uh, early indications show that numbers uh, all around the world have actually gone down a little bit. And that may be because people might have the impression that the United States government, the Pentagon, is sort of in charge of things now, and we should leave things up to them. But at the core, uh, the sightings themselves, the reports are what is needed. Um, and whereas the United States government is looking mostly at things that have been reported by its own military personnel uh, you know, the citizens uh, who are reporting have no place to go other than, you know, UFO organizations like MUFON and Newfork and, and Bufor and places like that. So the idea is that there uh, is this this volume of UFO data that needs to be mined. And organizations are taking a look at uh, the typical UFO uh, report from years gone by to mine them to try and see if something can be obtained in, in terms of understanding the UFO phenomenon or winnowing out those cases which aren't as interesting and keeping closer track of the unexplained cases, which then could be used to supplement what we're learning through uh, the ob- observations by uh, cameras and magnetometers and so forth. Now, you call out the number there, 768 reports were filed in the year 2022. Now, 8% of those remain unexplained. So we're talking around the high 60s uh, remain Mm -hmm. unexplained. What exactly within this report does that mean? Now, it doesn't mean, of course, it's aliens, does it? No, it doesn't mean aliens. What it does say is that there's enough information in the report to suggest that it's not an ordinary aircraft, plane, satellite, and so forth. Uh, it suggests that this is something that should be looked at a little more carefully. Maybe uh, there's uh, there's some evidence or some details that are a little unusual. Um, and we also go through the trouble of uh, classifying the, the various levels. It's sort of a gray scale. Uh, uh, we use the Hynek strangeness and reliability uh, scale of of UFOs where a high strangeness report is a something a little more substantial than just an ordinary light in the sky. Reliability is more than just a, an anonymous phone call. It's a, somebody who uh, has maybe filled out a form or has had the time to talk with a, an investigator or perhaps somebody's visited the site themselves. Um, and if you look at that, we're, we're down to uh, maybe a, a dozen or two really interesting higher quality UFOs. For example, there was a, uh, a report last year where uh, uh, a commercial pilot was flying over Canada and uh, reported what was described as uh, a uh, a batwing suit. Somebody in a one of these batwing suits that you sometimes see in documentaries who, uh, you know, they look like a flying squirrel with the arms outstretched and so forth, um, flying over yeah. Toronto at an altitude of something like 15,000 feet. 
And uh, that classified as unusual. And the pilot reported it to the Canadian government, and the Canadian government classified it as a UFO. And so that's one of the higher quality reports that uh, are uh, found in this survey. You mentioned within uh, one of the articles I read that while there's been an increase in photographs attached to these reports, the quality of the photographs hasn't necessarily increased. What are we looking at in terms of photographic evidence? Yeah, you know, a lot of people will post photos or send in photos they've taken with their cell phone cameras. And unfortunately, cell phone cameras are not designed to take images of uh, distant lights in the night sky. They're great for taking photos of cats, for example, really good at taking pictures of my cat. Uh, And I could share some with you if you want. But um, in terms of uh, UFOs, they're really not that good. You end up getting a black screen with a tiny pinpoint of light without any kind of reference and even if you zoom in, you you tend to distort the image itself. So unfortunately, the photos themselves, even though they are in about one third of all cases that are reported now, um, you know, they don't really add as much information as necessary. What might be interesting there is the, and I'm not sponsored by them. God, I wish I was. Samsung, please get in touch. But um, <laughs> Samsung's S23 Ultra is about to be released. And the big point some of the reviewers are pointing at online is that the, the 100 times zoom on the 200 megapixel camera seems to pick up the moon in fantastic quality. We're used to seeing the moon through a camera phone as, like you say, that little ball of light and you can't really make out any detail. And it looks like this this shift in camera quality is quite a big one. So hopefully with that sort of leap, we could maybe potentially get some of those kind of better quality images of UFOs. Chris, you, you've done 30 plus years now of investigations and research in this subject. Do you have any advice for anyone who is going to take a picture of a UFO where it is a light in the night sky and their cameras maybe just not up to the the job of capturing it in all its quality? Well, I I would certainly not uh, disregard the basics too. Uh, What time was it taken? What direction in the sky are you looking? Was it in reference to another light in the sky, a planet? How was the moon in the sky at the time? How far away? Uh, the compass direction. Is there a building that you could uh, maneuver in the frame of view to to get it in relation to? All of this will help in us trying to better understand where this thing was, what was seen, and how it was moving. The idea is to get it in, in terms of a frame of reference, and all of that helps to uh, to better understand the UFO phenomenon. And I wonder, are we getting an increase in the number of Canadian military reports like we're seeing in the US? Well, um, we we do have some information on uh, Canadian military cases. In fact, I was uh, receiving uh, Canadian military reports since uh, about 1999 uh, through an arrangement I had with the Canadian government. We continue to get cases through Transport Canada, including pilots. Um, and uh, so we have some information. Uh, it's misleading to say, I think, that there's an increase in the UFO reporting uh, by military uh, observers in the United States. What the most recent uh, uh, All-Domain uh, Anomaly uh, Resolution uh, Office report says is that uh, since they encouraged pilots to report UFOs without fear of uh, uh, of damage to their reputation and, and fear of ridicule, they had an increase in the number of reports received. That's not saying that the reports themselves increased. Matter of fact, many of the cases that reported uh, are from long time ago. Um, so we don't have a good handle on where these are from. In fact, I would not be surprised if some Canadian 
uh, military pilots or British pilots uh, reported them through uh, uh, the office as well. So we don't know exactly what the data looks like. And that's one thing we're, we're waiting to see. We don't have the data. And that's why uh, supplementary studies such as the Canadian UFO survey, uh, there was a Swedish study that was also released this week that out of 241 reports, it had one unexplained case. Uh, so it shows that the, the number of really interesting cases is still fairly low, despite the number of cases that are being reported. And I think looking at the data is the only way to better understand what's going on. Ultimately, what is this report and others like it coming from Canada going to do to help, or is it going to help progress the UFO topic? Well, I think it advances the idea that people are still reporting UFOs and uh, the the um, the information that someone gives when reporting a UFO is not lost forever. Uh, they, uh, they don't go into a black hole. They're being used and uh, there's some move right now for using uh, artificial intelligence to parse information out of uh, UFO reports that have been filed by people to try and you know, weed out the the dross and uh, collect up all the good stuff, all the the interesting cases, so that studies on UFO data, you know, setting up cameras and magnetometers and so forth, will be set up in the correct places and be able to uh, distinguish between real UFOs and the not so real UFOs, whatever that may mean. Chris, you've been a busy man today, and I appreciate you jumping on very last minute to record this with me. Thank you very much. And do you want to just tell the listeners how they can get a hold of you and also a copy of your work as well? Sure. My most recent book is the is Canada's UFOs Declassified, available on Amazon. Uh, you can look me up that way. I'm also quite a bit on social media, at Ufology Research, on a number of platforms. Uh, I'm also uh, one of the admins for uh, UFO Updates on Facebook, one of the groups. And uh, uh, my blog is uforum, U-F-O-R-U-M dot blogspot dot com. And I've added a bunch of posts about the Canadian UFO survey, including the entire report. Well, I'll have all of those links in the description to this podcast as well. Chris, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks, Andy.